Good afternoon. Glad that you're here on this Ash Wednesday, and I know that for many of us, including myself, uh, Lent and Ash Wednesday is uh, perhaps a new tradition, and um, one of those traditions that we might find strange. We may be familiar uh, with Advent and Holy Week. Those are um, ha- have been incorporated into our tradition, many of us, but not so much Lent and Ash Wednesday. And so what, what is it? Um, what is beginning? What is being launched during the season of, of, um, of Lent? And, and as you note from your bulletin, the word Lent just derives from a word referring to the coming of springtime. And it was associated with a season within the early church in which converts, those who had professed their faith and trust in Christ, were being prepared to be baptized in the early church. The day of baptism was associated with celebrating Easter and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And over time, by the fourth century, um, that season of preparation had broadened out for the participation of the entire church. And they had begun to align the 40 days of preparation with the 40 days of Jesus fasting um, in the wilderness during the time of His ministry of preparation. And so um, gathered to the, the practice of Lent were fastings, extended devotionals, a focus on mortality, resisting temptation, the repentance of sin, and a number of other things that became associated with this season. And I, I don't want to tell you that for many of us, most perhaps, um, those associations have become unhelpful. Um, unhelpful not because Christian practices are not necessary or important, but unhelpful because of the way we began to relate to those practices, the way we began to relate to those um, preparatory acts. We began to see them as ways in which that I put myself into a right relationship with God, or ways in which I might make myself right with God. And we think that through such practices we can achieve a pure devotion, or maybe... Um, we can become a more fit sacrifice and purify, purify ourselves before God. But if we begin to think that way, you know that that subverts the gospel of grace. And so rather than these practices pulling us toward Jesus Christ, they actually are pushing Christ away from us as we lose sight of Him in the practice of these uh, things. So I want to tell you here at the beginning, the purpose of Lent is not to practice things that purify our consciences from sin, because we can't do that. Jesus Christ is the only one who can purify our conscience. He's the only one who can make us right before our holy God. It's through His sacrificing death and resurrection that we are saved. And so this purpose of preparation is not for us to, as it were, save ourselves, but rather to reflect upon our need for saving. And also to deepen our repentance and dependence upon this one who has lifted us out of our sin, out of our burden, out of the the condition of our sinfulness. And so the purpose of Lent here at Redeemer is to reacquaint ourselves with our condition. And also to awaken us to 
what true repentance look like, looks like, what it means to truly depend upon the Lord Jesus, which brings us to Ash Wednesday. Ash Wednesday launches us into that sober and hopeful reflection. What we need as sinners and what God has done in Christ to lift us out of that um, burden of death and guilt in our sin. But, but here's the thing. Ash Wednesday conjures up this historic practice of ashes on the forehead in the mark of the cross. And so right out of the gate, we have a kind of problem, don't we? Um, that we have a problem because it seems to violate the very instruction that Jesus has just given us in the passage we read from the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 16. You can see it there in your bulletin. Look what Jesus says. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face that your fasting may be not seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. In fact, in this entire passage, Jesus is warning the disciples and us against outward displays of piety that would seek to draw attention to ourselves. He's not just referring to fasting, but to giving and to praying he establishes the principle in verse 1, doesn't he? Look at it again. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. So how can smudging crosses on our foreheads not be a violation of Jesus' command that we not give ourselves to outward shows of piety? Practicing our piety before men. Well, let me give you two answers to that question, because I actually don't think it contradicts Jesus' words. First of all, by, by smudging ashes on our foreheads in the shape of a cross, we are marking our solidarity in our failure, not our success. We are marking our solidarity in our failure, not our success, because we are marking ourselves with, with God's judgment upon a world born into sin and death. We're being marked with the sign of our mortality, which is God's curse upon a world broken by sin. The Bible tells us that we were born into our trespasses. Paul writes that we are children of wrath. That we are subject to God's Judgment, mortality's refrain, you are dust, and to dust you shall return is a consequence of our sinful condition. We have to go all the way back to Genesis chapters 1, 2, and 3 to make sense of this. But there we see Adam and Eve falling from their original and pristine condition in relationship with God and one another and with creation. And they sinned by eating the forbidden fruit. And the reason for their transgression was that they wanted to ascend to God's place. They wanted to, in a sense, be their own gods and throw off God's lordship and, and throw off their dependence upon them, on Him. But what they discovered is that they were 
born into guilt, not liberated into freedom. What, what they discovered is they were born into the slavery of sin, not ushered into a profound new sense of freedom and autonomy. And the same thing happens in our lives too, doesn't it? Every time we think we're going to find a better way through sin, we are born into guilt and its burden. Every time we think that we are going to devise a new plan for human flourishing and we violate God's directives for what brings fullness and beauty and truth and justice into this world, we discover that we are not free but enslaved. That in fact, we, like Adam and Eve, participate in the brokenness of this world. And so when we put the ashes on our foreheads, we're not saying, hey, look at me. I am a walking religious success story. What we're saying is, is I bear the curse that I'm a rebel, that I have been made of dust and I am returning to dust, that I participate in the failure of this world, not its success. It's, it's not a showy declaration of how I'm better, but it's a humble declaration of what I'm not, not what I am. In myself. And so we mark our solidarity with failure, not success. Secondly, the cross represents our participation in something outside of ourselves, Because we're marked with the sign of the cross, not just with ashes. And so we're marked with our participation in his victory over our sin, over our death. And so we mark our solidarity with Christ and not only with ourselves. And you know that the cross itself is a symbol of death. It was an a instrument of death by the Roman Empire. And yet, by virtue of God's grace in Christ, it has been transformed into a symbol, an emblem of life and hope. And in the same way, the ashes that mark our forehead have been transformed. Because they are in the sign of the cross, which is our hope. It's this truth, which is our hope. Chuck Collins, who's one of my friends, the former Anglican uh, priest at Christ Episcopal Church, he puts it well. He says that the sign of the cross reminds us that Jesus Christ has covered our sin by His death on the cross. The cross reminds us of the finished work of Christ on the cross for our full salvation past present, and future. See, on the cross, Jesus did something for us that we could not do for ourselves, right? He saved us from our sins. He delivered us from the guilt of our sins. How? By, by suffering the verdict of that sin. He was judged. He, Paul tells us, propitiated the wrath of God, put it away. He was the one who paid the price and drank the cup of God's righteous judgment. And so he can put away the guilt of our sin. And for this reason, we read from Romans chapter 8, verse 1, there is now, 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 after Christ, 
there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Which is a beautiful truth. The cross means that we are not jumping in and out of God's judgment. Many of us feel that burden. We, we, we think, what do I have to do to get myself free from this burden of my guilt? And the answer is, there is nothing you have to do because there's nothing you can do. All of our efforts are insufficient to rescue us from the guilt of our sin. Jesus Christ alone can do that work. And He has. And all those who look to faith and trust in Him have been delivered from that guilt. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And yet Jesus did more for us on the cross. Not only did He deliver us from the guilt of our sin, but He also delivered us from its enslaving power. The Bible tells us that we have been ensnared, trapped, our hearts have been bound, captive to sin. But, but on the cross, that captive power was bound up with Jesus and crucified with Him. So that its power has been broken. He broke the chains that bound us. Paul says it this way, that if we have died with Christ, then we will also live with Him. That means that we have power now in Christ to live lives that are pleasing to Him. Lives that are devoted to Him. Not perfectly. We won't be able to perfectly devote ourselves to God until Christ returns. But up until that time, we can grow more and more into righteousness, conformed to the image of Christ. We can have our lives quickened. That's what we said earlier from the Heidelberg Catechism through the life-giving power of the Holy Spirit because of Jesus' death and resurrection. And so practically, what does this mean? As we think about these truths of the gospel informing the practice of Lynn, well, the answer to that question is really, it's up to you. You are free. There's no biblical injunction to order our days according to the practice of Lent. This isn't something that is a requirement, but it is an opportunity. And it's important for us to think about that. Because Christian practices are not opposed to the gospel. Um, sometimes we think that any practice is somehow a subversion of grace, but, but that's not true. Passivity is not the key to understanding and growing in grace. God is not opposed to Christian practice. But rather, God is opposed to empty practices. That is, practices that are devoid of an understanding and, and grasp of the truth that we celebrate. And God is also opposed of meritorious practices. Practices that we think by doing them somehow merit God's approval or put us in a better standing with Him. And yes, God is opposed to those kinds of practices, empty rules, meritorious rituals. But when we practice Lent, and we do it in the context of this honest and sober reflection that's rooted in the hope of God's grace, then, then we might have an opportunity. A real opportunity. So what would promote deepening awareness of my sin? 
We should spend time in the Word every day. But here's another reminder, right? Extended time in the Word of God is a wonderful way to practice Lent. Extended seasons of prayer in which I reflect upon my condition, my life, in light of the purposes of the kingdom of God. It's an opportunity to journal and write those things down with sober reflection and hope. We might even want to give ourselves to a season of fasting or give ourselves um, um, to to, um, personal retreats or, or other things. You can make up your own list. The issue is not which practice, but what are we doing in the context of those practices? And as we do them, we can never lose sight of the fact that we are not being saved because we're doing them. That we're not saved because we do stuff. We're saved because Christ did stuff. But by virtue of that, practices can reacquaint us with the sufficiency of His victory. And so for many, people at Lent give up something like chocolate or wine or sweets. I read online today that one of my friends is giving up Facebook. That might be a good idea. But here's the thing. If we give up whatever we give up, we're not giving up that thing as sort of this sign that says, wow, I am really holy. This is saving me. No, what we're doing is we're giving up that thing to discover how rich and full is the salvation that we already have in Christ. We don't give up something to add something to ourselves. We give up something to discern and discover how much we already have. Because that's the problem with all this other stuff. It makes us lose sight of what we have in Christ, the fullness of the riches of His grace. And we lose sight of that because of Facebook, because of wine, because of chocolate, because of our work schedule, because of the pace of our kids' activities. Because of these things, we lose sight of what's truly and significantly important in our lives. And so we give up something, not to do something for ourselves, but rather to help me discern how much better is the grace that I already have in Jesus Christ. That's how we practice Lent. And so so, so that's why marking ourselves with ashes in the sign of the cross is not about displaying our piety or about how we're saving ourselves, but rather bearing witness to the unique work of Christ, to the only one who can save us from the burden that we bear in the brokenness of our sin and our solidarity with mortality. Because Jesus alone saves Amen. Grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God abides forever.